I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! Monty Python are, arguably, to comedy what the Beatles are to music. Without them and their influence, modern comedy may not be what it is today. Some get it, some do not, but it's undeniable Monty Python created some of the weirdest and funniest comedy of all time. And now for something completely different, here's Neil with 10 Python Facts. Thank you very much, Pav. I wish I'd been sat playing a piano, uh, an organ, when you introduced <laughs> yes, me you like that. Yeah. So Monty Python, the cast first met each other from the England's most prestigious universities, Oxford and Cambridge. Well, old Crossbeam's gone out of school and settled. Names for the first TV show included Owl Stretching Time, The Toad Elevating Moment, A Horse, A Spoon and a Bucket, Vase- Vaseline Review, and Bun, Wacket, Buzzard, Stubble and Boo. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition! The giant foot that comes crashing down in the opening credits is the foot of Cupid from the Renaissance masterpiece Venus, Cupid, Folly and Time by Bronzino. I can spam! <laughs> Former Beatle George Harrison stumped up the four million budget for Monty Python's Life of Brian, which went on to make 20 million at the box office. I'd like to have an argument, please. An asteroid discovered in 1997 by two Czech astronomers was named 13681 Monty Python in their honour. <laughs> Spam! The junk mail, the junk email sent in bulk was named after the Python's classic spam sketch, where everything on the menu is spam. I would like to buy a fish license, please. The budget for Monty Python and the Holy Grail was raised by the bands, by bands including Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and Elton John, who were looking to make a tax loss. Now that's what I call a dead parrot. Several councils, including a few that didn't even have cinemas within their boundaries, banned Monty Python's Life of Brian in 1979, saying that it was blasphemous. Gone. Monty Python's classic Lumberjack song was apparently written from start to finish in about 15 minutes because the guys couldn't think of an ending for the sketch they had been writing. I swear to tell the truth, the old truth and nothing but the 
truth, so anyway. <laughs> the original Monty Python's Flying Circus TV series ran for just four years, totaling 45 episodes, making its tremendous impact all the more amazing. And now for something completely different. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Neil. Um, yes, it's going to be a very special one tonight, I feel. Mm. Um, looking back on the wonderful Monty Python, our guest tonight is an executive producer. He's a writer. He's uh, one of the big names in Hollywood uh, for The Simpsons. And F is for family. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mike Price. Yay! Hey, hi, Neil. Hi, Pam. How are you? We're so good very good, you, thank man. you. Very, very well, good. And, sir. And, very well. And, we couldn't think of a better way to to chat to you again with Monty Python. I mean, I don't, I can't think of another a comedy troupe or a comedy group that has spanned the Atlantic like like the Python lot. No, I agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm of an age by which I mean code for being old. That uh, <laughs> I was in high school when I first when it first came to the United States. So I was living in the New York, New Jersey area. And we had a channel a station there called Channel 13, which was public television. And I was a comedy nerd and and I loved uh, everything funny. But someone said, you've got to watch the show. It was on Sunday nights, I think, at either 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. every Sunday night. And um, I started watching it. And it was just a bomb. Just a bomb went off with me, mm. with my friend circle. To the next day at school, all we could do was talk about it and quote it and, and just became everything. Like, to me, it's completely the comedy touchstone of, of my entire life and uh, i can't imagine uh my life without it it's just been so great and so funny that over the years learning that so many of the things that i thought were just hilariously funny were were like real direct references to things that were you know mm. in the culture in england i didn't know but uh, to me it was just funny stuff you know? <laughs> <laughs> did, when it first was aired then my did it um was it like um, instantly a hit around? I know you and your friends all enjoyed it, but like your parents, for instance, did they appreciate it? And oh, people... no. Oh, no. <laughs> my parents didn't. I really, we, we, my house was not very large, but we had a, a, a main television room downstairs and then we had a TV upstairs in my parents' bedroom. And that's where I would go to watch Monty Python <laughs> because my parents would be watching whatever else was on at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night back in those days was probably some lame like bonanza or some western type <laughs> show or something but that was my thing like you don't get it it's the greatest you know and, yeah. and maybe if they yeah. saw they're like what's that all about that's stupid you know um though we had one father who was really cool he was the guy who lived down the street and actually one of the characters in Ephesus family was modeled after him the guy of vic that sam rockwell played his name right was yeah 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 he was kind of a cool dad and he took us to see when Holy Grail came out. He took us to see the Holy Grail. So, uh, oh, awesome! Yeah, so he he got it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I've I've found that again. Even now, uh, Python is very. You either like it or you just don't get it. There's no middle ground with Monty Python, and even the I think some of the comedy that has come on. I mean, in this country, uh, Mike, I don't know if you've heard of Vic and Bob, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, but it's very much that kind of comedy, just absurd, ridiculous, surreal. Yeah. Mm. And again, with someone like that, you either like it, you either get it or you don't. There's no, there's no middle ground. And I kind of love that about, about comedy. It's sort of, you're in that exclusive club. Yeah. It, it, it felt to me that at the time that within a year, 
it was everywhere. And I remember there, there being articles about it in the magazines, like Time Magazine, which was a big magazine of the day, you know, about it. And now it was going everywhere. And it just seemed to spread like wildfire. And and then a little bit later after that, they put out their, they started putting out their albums, at least in the United States. And I had their album, which was called Live at City Center, which was their performance in New York. And I just wore that out, listened, listened to so many mm. things on that. And and it feels to me that like a little later after that, Holy Grail came out here in the United States. So then it was just everywhere. Then they yeah. were just yeah. And did you find that it influenced your writing for your your comedy as well? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Well, I started out before I worked on uh, The Simpsons. Um, I was I did sketch comedy, so you know they're they're mm. absolutely. I mean, I could only aspire to be as as great as as they are. But their their sketches are so clean and so. I mean, everyone talks about like the crazy insane stuff you know but like to me like their classic kind of sketch writing is is so great like the one that's not even on my list uh but it'll be an honorable mention is the one where it's called i think it's called working class playwright where uh the guy comes home and he's he works at the father he works in the mines but his father wants him to be a playwright it's just it's the flip side (laughs) of it you know it's but it's just so it's just so perfectly written and just the premises are so established so great. And the other one I'll just say too, my honorable mention is it's so funny because they're, they're so absurd, but then for the most part, the characters then sort of enter into the absurdity of it. There's hardly ever that kind of like the one person like you'll see a lot on let's say current day Saturday Night Live, um, where it'll be like there's the person who's being stupid or being the silliness in the premise, and there's always a straight person like looking to the camera like. This person's crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I I don't really like that, but like the one I'm thinking about is the one where the two guys are working in an office and the people start falling past the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, then suddenly they're taking bets on it and they're like, they're they, I bet it's gonna be you know Johnson next. Come on, Johnny, let's go. <laughs> you know? It's so great. And of course, the other thing that's, that was hugely influential for them that uh a lot of people ended up like I'd say the closest to Monty Python that the United States has ever come. Uh, produced is, was called Mr. Show, and that was on HBO, and that starred Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. That yes. that was a huge step to Monty yeah, Python, yeah, yeah. and mm. in a similar way in that in that their sketches didn't have to have an ending, like they would just move on to the next thing, or or they'd make fun of the fact that there's no ending. But right, yeah. Anyway, yeah, just just huge, hugely instrumental to me. I would only I could only hope to be as funny as as they are. Mm. Uh, and and over the course of my time on The Simpsons, we've had the opportunity to have. Uh, Eric Idle and, and uh, Michael Palin both did guest voices. I never had a chance to see them or meet them, but because they usually would do their voices, their voice acting like over satellite mm. or whatever like that. But, right. Uh, I, I spent today at work um, listening to the first season of Monty Python. And what struck me was the fact that because it was in front of a live audience, you could almost... Hit, you could feel the audience, first of all, not knowing what the hell are we watching? Why have we got tickets for this? And then slowly, as an episode would go on, they would start getting, some of them would start getting it. And some jokes would fall completely flat. There'd be no laughter yeah. at all. Yeah. And I love the fact they didn't put a laugh track on it. It was mm. just genuinely what the yeah. audience would. And then when it got to like the third or fourth episode, every joke hit and every single thing was. And I couldn't believe that like the parrot sketch um was in the first season i always thought that oh they they built up to that but that was in the first season and there's yeah. so many great uh, sketches that were in that first season as well and only four seasons it's just it's incredible just the way that they're that they would lay out 
things and things would play you know every episode had its own internal logic within itself but also yes. across the span of episodes i'm gonna keep saying things that aren't on my list but because uh, <laughs> there's so many there's hundreds yeah, of great things absolutely. But there's the thing there's one of them that almost made it was the one about the the scotsmen that are like exploding bombs that yes. are like you know <laughs> and, and so occasionally throughout the rest of that season they'd go by there'd be there'd be a film piece of them going down the street and there'd be a scotsman lying on his back an unexploded scotsman <laughs> and so uh in, where i live in california um we have these uh sprinklers that come up like to sprinkle your lawn a little thing will pop up and uh some usually when the when the water is done they're supposed to go back down again but sometimes they'll they'll stick up so I remember like walking with my son in, in uh, his stroller and I'd see one of those. I go, I go oh, that's not exploded Scotsman. <laughs> that's what I would call the speaker that came up. Uh, so, I mean, so much of my life is is full of, like I quote, I quote Monty Python, like everyone else I know quotes The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it becomes part of, there's, there's one specific quote, which I'll say a little bit later on, that it's just one thing and it doesn't mean anything, but I, I use it very often mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll get to that okay then mike uh kick us yeah. off with your number 10 all right well first i'm going to say one more honorable mention because yeah. it's, it's probably my favorite of their sketches but it was never on their television show it was on a different television show first and they did it uh they do it all the time on the stage it's called the four yorkshiremen four yes. yorkshiremen, four yorkshiremen. Marty yeah. Feldman. Yeah. uh we used to clean the lake anyway so great that would be on my top that would be on my top 10 if if it had ever been on the monty python tv show but anyway so, but my real number 10 uh, was from the final season, I think the final episode, but which here in America, there was a whole court case over this. I don't know if you know this, but that the final season without John Cleese, they they made it available to the United States because the first three seasons had been on, like I said, on PBS. And then the BBC sold the fourth season to American TV, to ABC, and they put it on this thing, this late night show on Friday nights called ABC's Wide World of Entertainment. And they took all these sketches from that last season and cut them up in a weird way. And Monty Python then sued them. And part of the, I think part of the upshot of them suing them was then the Pythons retained like full copyright to everything after that. And that oh, enabled right. them to then, you know, be fabulously wealthy, I hope, once they <laughs> sold it to Netflix. But anyway... Uh, I believe it's from the very last episode, but it's called the most awful family in Britain award. And, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I remember seeing that on that show on that ABC wide world of whatever thinking, th thinking this isn't that good. First of all, I'm watching it. Where's John Cleese. I'm like, what happened to John Cleese? Uh, <laughs> but it still was really funny. And it was this absolutely horrendous family with uh, the father is Terry Jones. Who's, who's sitting at the dining table, sitting on a toilet uh the mother the mother is michael palin no i'm sorry the the, the school-age child is michael palin he's messing everything up graham chapman is in this crazy vinyl polyethylene like vinyl miniskirt as the the young daughter uh and then terry gilliam who i'll say i'll say this later but i think i, I when i was a kid the animations were my, almost my favorite thing now mm. i kind of skip through them i, I think i'm sort of like I have a problem with 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 some of his stuff and some of his acting on the show isn't so great, but <laughs> he was hilarious. He's this guy just lying on a couch, shoveling beans into his mouth. <laughs> and, so, and it turns out to be they're in competition for the worst family in Britain. And and the catchphrase is him just, Terry Gilliam just going like, 
I need more beans. I need more beans. <laughs> that became a thing. My friends and I in school, we would we would say that to each other when we were at when we were at lunch. So that's my number ten. That's your number ten. Well, just just uh, as a little proviso for everybody. I mean, obviously, we will be spoiling things, but also to let everybody know that that this is also of a time that was very un-PC. So there, mm. were, there, were, there were names of characters that may have been not particularly, um, that would be frowned upon today, to be fair. And, um, you know, just could put the, putting that out as a little proviso there. But, but in all uh, fairness, they were pushing boundaries back in when they first oh, came Oh, without out. a doubt. And, and some yeah. of it is still relevant today. You know, with the, the, yeah. the things that are going on today around the world, some of it is really relevant yeah. still today, which is... It, it Although is I will say, uh, re-watching it re- recently, I went on Netflix and rewatched most of it again. Um, I was surprised that there was a surprising amount of blackface. Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> that was the one... Which I think wasn't quite done even for satirical reasons. They were just doing it, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it's, it's, it's so hard to, to imagine that that was just the norm. Back, I mean, even going back just a couple of decades, that was just the norm. And nobody yeah. thought anything of it, you know? It's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. But that's a great one to kick us off with, Mike. Well done. Go on then, Neil, you're number 10. So mine is The Undertaker. Now, I haven't written down what series this was from. Um, I can't honestly remember. I should have written them down. But I, I love that. One. This is a great one. And they've used this uh, a, a few times. I think they've even re-recorded this sketch because it's on the final cut, if you ever had that album where they did it again. But it's... um, um, Graham Chapman is The Undertaker, and is it Michael Palin that goes in, I believe? Um, No, I think it's John Cleese, I think. Is that the one where they are going to eat her in the end? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Which is, we talked about... Yeah, oh, is it John Cleese? Cleese. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. I think it's Michael Palin on the the final cut that's the customer. Oh, is it? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, uh, well, you've just said, so basically they yeah. give him a load of options and in the end is um, we could do a nice barbecue, fry her up nice and crispy with a nice <laughs> bit of broccoli, mm-hmm. <laughs> which has now become a staple in my household when we have a roast dinner and we've got broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> so we're always with a nice bit of broccoli. <laughs> but it's hilarious. saying we could then throw up into the grave. I think they said that's that. Right. Oh, yeah, at the, at the end of on it. The show, on the show, the audience literally is like booing them and, and yelling at them and throwing stuff. And then they all stop because the queen has turned in. That's right. And they all stop and very reverently sit there while God saves the queen. (laughs) But it's how dark it turns. And that's what I like about Monty Python is they find humor out of the darkest subjects. You know, and I just, yeah, it's a wonderful one. To to paraphrase another episode, another sketch, not on my top 10 list, but it it shines out like a shaft of gold when all around is dark. And yeah. that's the Oscar Wilde sketch. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. But it is, I mean, there's so much death in Monty Python. People are getting shot and killed and mm. thrown out of windows all the time. It's just well, like... Um, the, I mean, it might be one of our top tens, but the pecking part. Um, yeah. Jane Austen. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's, mm. it's crazy. Saladates. Full on, yeah, full on, full on battles. Yeah, yeah full on battles. <laughs> um, but that is a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, Neil. I haven't actually put the se- seasons and, and episodes, which I should, probably should have done. But uh, um, but my number ten is one of the iconic ones. It's nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Say no more. Well, that's yeah, my number yeah. six. Is that your number six? Okay, yeah. not on my list, but no. It's the fact that. When I listened to it, because I think that's in series one, I think. I think I heard it. And it's because I'm used to seeing the the live version where they obviously play it a lot more larger. Mm. You know, it's all say no more and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot more underplayed on the TV version. 
Yeah, but I is. can't believe that before that was very the very first time that was shown that something like nudge nudge wink wink wasn't even a thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah. pre get back and get back. It's like yeah. could there have been a time yeah. before like the get back was ever yeah. a song. So it's like, and, and, yeah. and the amount of times I will say nudge 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 wink wink say no more. It's just yeah. become and part as good as a wink. Exactly, it's part yeah. of everyday language now and it, mm. they they always very very happily uh whenever they do live like the, where where the guy's wife from is always somewhere near where they're playing they exactly. get a kind of it like yonkers yeah. or uh, chatsworth or something <laughs> exactly. like that exactly and it gets that local I'll, I'll say too i'm sorry is that i didn't realize because i'd never seen it before but it was on recently or i came across it on netflix which is their first film which is called now mm. for something completely different yes which is they took sketches that had been on the television show and just redid them for, yep. for on a film budget. So that's in there. And it's actually staged at a real pub and everything. It's yeah. very it was very surreal to see that because it was like, wow, this is the same thing, but but different. Yeah. I mean they upped the ante a bit in that one, didn't they? On that on the that's in the right. movie. They, they certainly did. I mean, Eric yeah. Idle was a lot more. <laughs> yeah. And Terry Jones, he's so good at the straight. Yeah. Straight lace. Your wife a gala. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she goes. Yes, she, yeah. she goes. Yeah. Photography. Candid <laughs> photograph. Yeah. Whoa. No, hey. Whoa. Uh, go on and mic your number nine, please. Number nine is a very short one, but one of my favorites, which is Albatross. So this Albatross. is uh, from also from the first mm-hmm. season, John Cleese in a dress playing a vendor that's another thing that's like a thing that is apparently uh oh i, I learned later is like a, a common thing in british theaters where they'll come through the, the aisle selling ice cream whatever i didn't know mm. that but he's yeah. selling albert or he or yeah. she is selling a giant albatross and i believe terry jones is the customer and it's just screaming albatross it's a bleeding albatross <laughs> and it's so it's maybe like a minute long but it, it just makes me laugh every single time i love the live version at the hollywood yeah. bowl yes that's that's one of the greatest versions. I've just got this fucking albatross. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so it good, is. especially like the Hollywood Bowl, because that's that's prime sort of Basil Fawlty as well, isn't it? The mm. way that John Cleese is there with the tash, it's just that's who he is. Yeah, but yeah, that is a great one as a as a, a short one, and that's I, I haven't. I think it was the last couple of episodes I didn't get to watch of. Um, Series one, so I didn't realise that was in series one either. So I'm gonna have to yeah. have to finish watching that. That's a great one. Go on, then Neil, your number nine. So it's a, it is a classic one, and it's quite low on my list, but it's more in honour of my dad because it's one of his favourite sketches, and it's spam. Um, <laughs> my great, dad cannot great. now make a sandwich a spam sandwich without almost repeating the whole bloody thing to us um but it's hilarious isn't it because it is a typical of the cafes we remember in the in england sort of like in well in the 70s for us and they still would have had you know spam with everything and it was just eggs and grease and spam and then we go into the whole song and uh it's just great vikings <laughs> Yeah, Vikings. Vikings there, yeah. 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 yeah, bloody Vikings! <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it is so good though. What, what always used to when you start thinking about like the, the minutia of of the sketch, and and at the start of it, Terry Jones is going, "Well, you can have egg and bacon, egg sausage and bacon, egg and spam." And then someone will say, well, I want it with a little bit less spam in it. Well, you could have had egg, bacon and sausage then if you wanted. You didn't have to have, have spam. But then the whole premise of the sketch just collapses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can't believe that was, I think that was number 11 or 12 in my 
top 10. It didn't quite mm-hmm. make my top 10. Yeah, but... Me too, me too. And of course, it was nice that Eric Idle obviously did Camelot and called it Spamalot. Yeah, yeah. In honour, yeah, because they obviously true. sing it on the stage in Do that show. Did you ever see, that? yeah, did you ever see the show Spamalot? No, I um, never Michael. did. Oh. I never did. And I should have. I mean, Hank Azaria from The Simpsons was in it. Yeah. And I, I think there was something about not wanting to, I just wanted to preserve Monty Python for Monty Python. So I, I should have gone to see it. Oh, yeah. I saw. I was. I was lucky to see it twice. Um, but very, very funny. Very I'm sure funny. I'm sure it's great. And in the movie, they say "spam" a lot. I think in the song, in Mighty Poth on this, we're nights. Oh, round. that's right. Oh, that the, yeah, I like to eat spam a lot. I think we that's like to eat our spam a lot. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, uh, that's great. Okay, uh, my number nine is the architect sketch. <laughs> It's one of those real, so great. real, just clever sketches. But it's it's more it's John Cleese that that does it for me. He's got this wonderful design for a, a new block of flats that is actually an abattoir. Um, but he's thought about it so much, and it's where his <laughs> life has led him up. And he doesn't give us stuff about that. Actually, he wants to he wants to be part of the Masons. He wants to get in there and have the secret handshakes. It opens yeah. doors. It really opens doors. Um, yeah, and then I can right. remember. I can remember. I think it's Eric Idle that comes in and does his, and this tower block sort of falls down and bursts into flames. And I always remember it because it looks like he's trying to press the button of something and it doesn't work, <laughs> but he carries on. <laughs> and I think that's so. That's so you good. Can see that you can see that, and he's, yeah. he's he's frantically like on the underside of the desk pressing yeah. on something and it's not working, so he <laughs> yeah. just carries on. But that, even the little. Um, slow motion at the end the action replay at the end oh, yeah. where they're doing the action replay of the the, the fancy uh handshake but and there's so great good. social satire in there too it just seems to me in light of i know there was a horrible tragedy a few years ago of a building that, that caught on fire but yeah, of, absolutely. of the feeling of like because the terry jones and whoever the other guys are like well as long as it makes money whatever like this feeling of like who cares about safety yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like that. watching that again it was like wow it's really funny but also very uh biting kind of stuff it's like neil said it's like this it's, they're almost like predicting well a lot like the simpsons mm. they predict a lot of the future don't they which the simpsons have done for decades well they've yeah. done it in the movie life of brian haven't they with all the trans rails and everything like that that's going on i mean oh, they yeah. were calling that out back then, i want to it? be a woman <laughs> <laughs> where's the baby going to gestate <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh lord okay um <laughs> <laughs> Mike, your number eight, please. Uh, number eight. My number eight is one that uh, I can't say the character's name in this because it'll take the entire episode to say, but it's about the German composer who oh. starts off with Johann Gambelputty <laughs> and ends with von Habkoff of Ulm. But it, I heard so- that one for the first time today and I was pissing myself at work. I'd never heard it before. So great. Well, John Cleese is so good as the interviewer in that. Mm. And just that the fact that this guy has this name with 47 names and every time they have to say it, and then his son is mentioned, and and then they interview people, and, and there's an old man I think who dies in the middle of saying the name. It's just, yeah. it's just so classic the absurdism and and the and the commitment to. That's what I love about them too is that, um, well, that was a film. I think that was partly a film piece, partly a live piece. But unless they edit it out, you never, you never see them break. You never see them break character. You never see them laugh at their own jokes. Uh, again, I'm going to mention Saturday Night Live is a show that that does that all the time. Um, but maybe, maybe who knows, maybe there's outtakes where they do crack up and they, they, they edited it out, but I love that they're just always committed. They're always in the world of the, sh- of the thing. Then mm. Cleese is so great at the, that kind of deadpan. Mm. Yeah. And the fact that it takes up 
whatever it is, maybe eight or nine minutes of airtime, and all they're doing is saying the same name over and over again. And it's such a simple premise for a, a, a sketch yeah. that is... Because um, Neil and I, we like that same kind of comedy where something just gets repeated over and over again that becomes funny, then is not funny, and becomes uncomfortable, and then becomes funny again. And I was listening to that today, and it was the fact that, like, you think they're not going to say the name again. Oh, God, he's saying the name again. <laughs> You've got to go through it all again. It's, it is such a good one. If I hadn't have already done my top in, ten, it would have been there. Oh, oh, there's always incredible timing, too, where he'll say it. Like, he'll say the first name. He'll go, yeah. gobble pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's that pause. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. So good. So good. That is a great one. Uh, go on, then, Neil, you're number eight. Uh, it's the argument clinic. So I'll, I'll take <laughs> that's both my ones. number seven. That's my Is number it? seven. Yeah, I'll take both versions, both the TV and the film version that they did for it. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful. Again, it's Cleese, isn't it? In in his perfect <laughs> deadpan yeah. manner, and the fact that the argument isn't an argument really, but just, just an contradiction. Opposite. Yeah, <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just genius because it's so. When you think back of it, it's it's quite a simple premise, but again, it works so yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it's hilarious, isn't it? Even to the point that when the five minutes runs out. And he says, he well, pays you know, you've got another. to pay for another five minutes. Yeah. And he said, right, okay. And then he's getting ready for another argument. He said, well, <laughs> you've got to pay. He said, oh, I've just paid you. No, you haven't. Yeah. You haven't. <laughs> well, yeah. hang on a minute. If I haven't paid you, why are you arguing me? I'm arguing in my spare time. <laughs> but doesn't and it then, link, doesn't somebody in the, is it in that version or is it in the, um, and now for something completely different, that Eric Idle comes, not Eric Idle, is it Eric Idle comes in from a different, so it's well, not argument. I think that he goes, they they walk through various other rooms where there's like being hit on the head lessons or something. And that's goes, oh, right. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Go, wow. <laughs> that's right. I think there's another thing too. I forget there's other lessons of other kind yeah. of things. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. That is so good. Uh, yeah, that's my that's my number seven. Okay, my number eight is one very simple one. It's the fish slapping dance. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's my number three. Is that your number three? I just right. honestly can't watch that without proper belly laughs. Laughing. I mean, it's genuinely it's a meme before memes were even a thing. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's that it's that, and again, it's the punchline at the end where I think that Michael Palin comes in with, a, or is it John Cleese comes in and gets a big fish and just smacks him across the face and sends yeah, him into the water. John Cleese onto Michael Palin. Isn't oh, it? it's yeah. just so good. But it's the fact that it's so slightly sped up as well, isn't it? So you when they're going yes. back and forth, and it's, yeah. it goes back to the era of silent comedy. That one, yeah, that's all it is. It's just a homage to that, yeah. isn't it? 100% but it's hilarious. Silent. It is hilarious. Uh, just to let, again let our Patreon top heads know all of these sketches I will put in the video playlist for this uh, episode and you'll have a blast I'm telling you if you've never watched Monty Python before watch them and you'll become a fan I guarantee it okay uh, Mike your number seven please my number seven is a kind of a combo it's two sketches one leads into the next but they're they're so they're both so great uh, I can't even pronounce it it's the it's one said in World War One Ypres Ypres whatever where it's it's the uh, the World War One soldiers are there and they're uh, and the one of them has to volunteer for a suicide mission and uh, Graham Chapman is the colonel saying all right one of us has to volunteer for the suicide mission and uh, and John Cleese is the is the padre with no arms he had his arms cut off <laughs> and then and then it's like this thing where they go like let's draw straws you know and then Graham Chapman's character keeps losing. 
and he keeps finding some reason. Well, let's do it again. Let's try it again. You know, and then he goes, let's do dip, dip, dip. And he keeps losing it to himself. And he goes, all right, let's do, let's do fisties, which I guess is our version of rock, paper, scissors. And they all stick their arms out and Cleese can't. Yeah. Then, uh, it's that look Chapman has the scissors and the other guys have rock. He goes, uh, scissors cuts anything, right? They go, not stone, sir. And he's like, all right, everyone who doesn't want to go on the suicide mission, put both your arms up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and is, that's another one where you can almost see Cleese cracking up, but he isn't. Yeah. And then he goes into this huge dramatic monologue about like, it's all right. I'm not a man anymore. You know, he's just, <laughs> Super overacting thing, and then he gets taken away on a stretcher to the hospital for overacting. Uh, becomes a whole other sketch about the hospital for overacting, where uh, all these Long John so Silver's good. guys are running around. And then, uh, and the, the greatest joke in that is that where uh, uh, I think Chapman is the doctor there, and he goes, he goes, this is uh, Richard the Third Ward, and Eric Idle and Terry Jones are sitting in this hospital bed wearing their crowns, and he goes, this man used to be like a full blown overactor, but look at him now, and he, Eric Idle just goes, he goes. My horse, my horse, my kingdom for a horse. <laughs> Very well. And that's it. So anyway, I love it. I love that one that's so much. That's a great one, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I, can, I can picture John Cleese now, that look on his face. Like you say, I'm sure he's just about to break when they're saying, like, you've got to put your hands up in the air or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. no that is such a good one. Um, uh, go on then, Neil, your number seven, please. So this is um, uh, the fish licence. This is John Cleese again. Oh, um, right. Basically, um, <clears throat> now there's two versions. You've got the TV version and then the version on the final cut. Now, I would imagine the final cut one was re-recorded again, because when you listen back to it, it sounds... Um, completely uh, not completely different but a different style but it's uh, hilarious just the whole premise again did you mean all... that pun then did you mean when you said completely different did you mean that then when you said that possibly yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um it's a, it's another one that's almost uh, another one that i would give an honorable mention to because it reminds me of it is the cheese shop it's yeah. another one of those where they go in they want something that they can't get um and then obviously, I know it best, and it leads into Eric the Half a B, which is probably one of my favourite songs of Python. I think, you know, John Cleese famously said he couldn't sing, but I think he does such a good job at yeah, that, because yeah. I couldn't imagine anyone yeah. else singing that song but him. But yeah. it's it's just the absurdity. And was it was it James the First out of a prawn called Simon? That's right. <laughs> Just that line. Camel Atita had a haddock. That's <laughs> it. He has the book. He pulls the book out. Kamal That's Adder. right. Yeah. 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 That's one thing that the Pythons were good at is is these kind of list sketches. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it'd be the minutia of the again, the sketch. It's just like just the fine detail of all these things. And because they are all university taught they've got that their reach for words that a lot of people wouldn't know mm. it it's just makes it sound so much different than if it was just two you know two bodkins just trying to trying to write a sketch you know where it would just be normal words yeah their own language kind of thing you know but yeah fish yeah. license i mean you're including eric the half b on, you've got that, to you can't yeah. have yeah. one yeah. without the other can you yeah. although that so. was not i think that song was just only done later for the records or for stage i, I, I think it was done song. for the final cut wasn't it originally yeah, yeah, yeah. but it worked yeah. so well yeah, yeah it's, so it's great it's great yeah <laughs> i love him Connolly. Cyril? <laughs> Cyril Connolly. Cyril Connolly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, okay my number seven was the argument sketch so we've already right. done that one so mike back to you for your number six please number six is the uh it's 
sort of a little more in vogue these days, but certainly in the United States, where uh, Adolf Hitler is trying to get elected to a local uh, local position. <laughs> Mr. Hilter, Mr. Hilter, Mr. Mr. Baring, or and Mr. Ron Bibbentrop are trying to uh, plot plot their election strategy. <laughs> I love that one. So, Mr. Hilter, oh, that nice Mr. Hilter. <laughs> I haven't seen this one. I need to. Uh, I need that's to. From, Season one, episode twelve. It says here. Oh, is it right? There you go. Yeah, yeah. you'll be round to it shortly. I will be round to that one shortly. See, see, that's the trouble as well. I doing this top ten, and I've there's so many sketches that although everybody knows the ones that everybody knows, and I've doing some research, I've come across some of the ones that I remember loving. There's going to be so many that I've missed. That we should absolutely we'll have I to mean, come back yeah. and do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we should have basically done the four series, shouldn't we? <laughs> we should have done <laughs> ten yeah, sketches we from each series. Yeah. Could have easily could have, done yeah. that easily without a shadow of a doubt. Um, okay, Neil, your number six was nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Uh, my number six is the classic Ministry of Silly Walks. Oh yeah, of course. Well, that's my number five. That's your number five, is it? <laughs> Again, because it's pure. This is physical comedy. It is greatest. Yeah. Well. And this is this is Clee's Clee's is absolute greatest. It's absolute physical yeah. comedy greatest. Mm. Um, Mrs. Two Lumps as well, obviously. <laughs> Coming in with a cup of yes. tea. <laughs> I love that. Mrs. Two Lumps. Mrs. Two Lumps. And I, I, I was going to make a point of saying, but like Carol Cleveland as well. I mean, she was always classed as the seventh um, member of Monty Python. Mm. But I mean, what a, what a babe as well. Not only was she really, really funny. I mean, she was an absolute yeah. babe watching some of these sketches. I mean, God, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, being like, and, and game for a laugh as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she had to be sure. being surrounded by that lot. But I guess so. You're you sounding know. like the dirty vicar a little bit there. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful. <laughs> I got to be careful. But I think the thing is, like, the, I mean, again, the Silly Walk is something that right. is synonymous with, with Python and is becoming T-shirts yeah. and memes and yeah, all that kind of stuff. You can't even be like the perfect like entry entry to Python. Like if watch that. So. If you like that, then you'll like everything. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Cleese ridiculous. carried it on into Faulty Towers, didn't he? For oh, the German, so, yeah, so German he took episode, it with yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was kind of that thing that sort of thing. I recognize that from Monty Python, just yeah. the way that he did that. Yeah. That was one hundred percent. How he did that with his leg, though, the way it swings. Yeah, when he turns, I just think to myself, "Well, I suppose he was a lanky boy, wasn't he?" He was a lanky boy. (laughs) 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 He should have that as his trademark, John Lanky Boy. Please, (laughs) I wonder if he'll recreate that for the new Faulty Towers that he's writing. Oh, I hope so. Interesting to see. I don't. His eighty-year-old hips are not going to do that. I worry about that when you do revive mm. things like that. Yeah, at, at a yeah. older age, we'll we've uh, we've certainly yeah. expressed our concerns on this, especially one. when he's kind of admitted it that he's doing it because he needs the money. And he's got another, another, well. yeah, yeah. Oh, sort of like think, oh, yeah. It, it might surprise. Who know? It, it might. Fingers surprise. crossed. Saying that, I was surprised, a little happily surprised to see as I was watching this that Connie Booth is in all these Python episodes. Too. Yeah. She's mm. like, whenever they need someone else besides Carol Cleveland, it's Connie yeah. Booth. Yeah, that's right. She's beautiful. It's always too. nice to see. Mm. Yeah, lovely as well. Yeah. Okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, we're halfway through, so it's time for this. Pop quiz, hot shot. It's quiz time. So, uh, Mm. Mike, what we do, I'll ask you a question. Uh, If you get it wrong, it'll go over to Neil. It's first one to three. Uh, As you are a guest, Mike, you can go first or second. What would you like to do? I'll go first. I'll try that. Okay, here we go. These are all uh, Python-themed. So, which brain-challenged character delivered the line, My brain hurts! Oh, that's Mr. Gumby, of course. It is Mr. Gumby, and Mike (laughs) is off. My brain hurts! (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we used to live near a family like that down the road. Uh, we still live <laughs> the, the near a family like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, is the thing with that? what is that thing with the handkerchief? That's a head? traditional seaside thing back from about the, well, they say from the 30s up 30s to the 50s. And 40s. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, where, they, where you wouldn't have a hat, they would tie their handkerchief into knots in the corner, and that's what they would use to stop burning their little I heads. Think, yeah. How times have changed. Uh, I think Neil, we should bring it back. We should bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should bring it back. What merch? I mean, what merch that would be? Top yeah. 10 handies. Yeah. <laughs> right then, Neil. Uh, what, according to Anne Elk, was thin at one end, much, much bigger in the middle, and then thin again at the far end? I don't know. No, that's got Anne me, that Elk. one. It was thin at one end. Much, much bigger in the oh, middle, I and then thin again at the far end. I think I remember no, you've now. got me. I don't know. Uh, no. A snake, a snake, or an anaconda, or something, or it was a brontosaurus. <laughs> That was her theory, her theory on the brontosaurus. Okay, so Mike, uh, who visits Mister Bounder in the travel office? Oh, Mr. Smoke Too Much. It is Mr. Smoke Too Much. He's coming up on my list. I bet he is. I bet he is. number three on my list. I bet he is. Uh, Neil, uh, you need this one to keep the game going. Uh, Who was the wrestling opponent of Colin Bomber Harris? 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Bomber Harris. No, I'm going to have to... I, I literally listened to this on... Oh, God. I have a guess, but I think it's not right. Because I think he was no. a boxer. No, over yeah. to you then, Mike. Oh, yeah. For the well, win. Here's my guess. I don't think it's right because I think he was a boxer, but I'm going to say Ken Clean Air Systems. It wasn't. It was actually <laughs> Colin Bomber Harris. Oh, he, oh, he wrestled himself. He wrestled right. him. That was that's a trick right. question. Yeah. yeah. He wrestled that was himself. A trick question. It like, was. Like, it when was the last time the Hammers won the uh, English Yes, English that's, right. Cup. that's right. <laughs> um, so, Mike, uh, for, your, for the win, for the win, okay. this is what is unusual about Arthur Frampton? Uh, does he have two sheds? It wasn't. He didn't have two sheds. Neil? <laughs> Did he want to become a lion tamer? He didn't. No, he has three buttocks. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, I thought it was the name of the accountant. No, no. So, Neil, at the beginning of most shows, Michael Palin, dressed as a shabby old man, would enter the scene and say only one word. What was it? It's is correct he's back in the game he's back in the game uh mike who wrote the theme song to monty python's flying circus oh i was in the high school marching band and i used to play that very song quite a fit john philip souza the liberty bell march well done well that done. is that is impressive to say the least that is awesome well done mike That's well done well done i'll just run through that i've got three questions left what breed of parrot was in the dead parrot sketch Norwegian blue. It was beautiful oh, plumage. Blue. Beautiful plumage. Uh, what, did, <laughs> what did Ernest Scribbler invent? Oh, was it the joke? The world's funniest joke? It was the world's funniest. No good getting uh, them right now, Neil. The, the, the quiz is finished. That and is the self defense teacher taught his students how to defend themselves against people attacking them with what? Fruit. It was. It was. Not a point, well done. Not a point. But not a pointed stick. Not a pointed mm. stick. No, yeah. that's right. <laughs> well done, Mike. You are the winner. Yes, well and done, Mike. Oh, I thank you. Here we go. Back to the uh, back to the countdown. So, Mike, yeah. your number five, please. My number five is the international twit of the year competition. Oh. <laughs> Upper class twit of the year. Upper class twit of the year. So funny. So they're all in it together. They're so hilariously funny. Um, and the fun, the version of it in the the film is is almost better than the one in the show, but it's so great. And it's so even as a kid, I was like, this is funny. But then later on, I got it. Oh, these are like making fun of these upper class twists in England. Like there's more of the like slamming the car door. I, I heard later that John Cleese wrote that because there was a guy who lived next to him who was always slamming his car door at all hours. Ripping the ripping the bar bra off the deb. It was all like stuff. Yes. And then and then when they try to kill themselves at the end. Yeah. So Jumping the matchboxes. So right. Yeah. It's those look that like the expressions on their faces as well. They got the sort of, sort of looks <laughs> yeah. on their faces. And their names are so funny. I think one of them is Nigel Incubator Jones, I think is one of the names. It's, it's so funny. That was the great thing that Python did was the, the character names. There's there's a couple of names yeah. that are totally un-PC that you cannot say these days. <laughs> that I was listening to a sketch and I thought, oh, yeah, I better not mention that <laughs> during the show because we'll just get, we'll get taken off. But that's a great one. That was in my easily in my top sort of 15. It just didn't make my top 10. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Neil, you're right, Mike. I think the, the movie, and now for something completely different, just does it a little bit better than the TV one. 
Yeah, it's just the yeah. They, I think the they. Is, I think they work it. without having any laughter on them at all. For sure, you know what I mean, they do. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's that's, that's true, the thing yeah. is is that sometimes when you're watching them when it's the TV series, it's a little bit uncomfortable because you know that in the in the studio the joke didn't quite land. Mm. But when you're watching them, and like you say, the production value is a little bit more, isn't it? When they're just it's proper film sets as such. Yeah. Uh, okay, Neil. So your number five was Ministry of Silly Walks. It was. Uh, my number five is the Cheese Shop. <laughs> oh, shut that bloody bazooki up! And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm a, I am a sucker for things like those like list sketches. Mm. I just find them like hilarious because. You know, Venezuelan beaver cheese, and you know, he starts coming out with all kinds of of weird and wonderful things. And the one thing that this sketch always reminds me of is the young ones, because um, they had their version of the cheese shop sketch. If you remember, because again, I think the young ones was like one of the natural progressors from mm. Monty Python. And it was sure. a cheese shop where I think Alexis Sale ran in and said, "Have you got any cheese?" And Rick Mail's behind the counter and he goes, "No, sir." <laughs> and Alexis said, oh, well, that's that sketch knackered then, isn't it? <laughs> it's just perfect, absolutely perfect way of, of, of countering the, the cheese shot. But yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest sketches. Thoughts? Well, the cheese shot, I mean, yeah. I spoke about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, you, you eloquently summed it up. I was going to say it's, it's up there. It's, it's one of the great, you know, it was, I said earlier, it was one of my honourable mentions because I, I'm the same as you. I love the lists. Yeah. You know, and the fact that Michael Palin just suddenly goes, I'll just go and check. Because <laughs> <laughs> for the first, like, half a dozen, he's got excuses. Oh, and we usually get that fresh in on Monday, you know. And, there's always, and then it just becomes, nope, uh, nope, nope. Oh, the cat's <laughs> just eating it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, go on then, Mike, you're number four. My number four. Well, there's so many uh, sketches with these characters of the the housewives you know, Mrs. Uh, whatever, Mrs. This, Mrs. That, that there's so many, the one with the penguin on the television is great. But uh, the one I love the best is Mrs. Premise and Mrs. Conclusion go to France to ask John Paul Sartre what he meant by his writing in the in, the, in his book, Roads of Roads to Freedom. Uh, they're so great. That's Cleason Chapman. They're so funny as those two women. They're so hilariously funny. There's so many great bits in it. There's the thing where they talk about, well, I've spent four hours burying the cat. <laughs> wouldn't stop clicking you know and all that and then it turns into them having to call talking about john paul sartre and like the meaning of life and and there's a great moment there where they call his they call him his house in france and while they're waiting for the phone to ring they start humming the girl from Ipanema together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then they go, they, they take a, they take a raft to, to Paris and go to visit Jean-Paul Sartre where Michael Palin is playing Mrs. Jean-Paul Sartre. And she's exactly like them and she's vacuuming and smoking. And <laughs> it's just so great. I just love it. Just so, it I, quote, I quote that one almost exclusively. So it good. It's funny how, um, I mean, the more, I mean, a lot of people might not realize, but like John Cleese and Graham Chapman, wrote together and then the other three wrote together didn't they and eric idol yeah. basically wrote on his own didn't he i believe that's right but reading more about graham chapman he was the one that really put the element of surrealism in it it was mainly him he would get a sketch oh. from john cleese read it and then say well how about we say you know for instance maybe i don't know on the um the undertaker sketch oh we'll eat him at the end with some bits and it, it was more often than not it was graham chapman that put those ideas in Wow. Which is, you know, I think, 
God bless Graham Chapman. Yeah, Last thing he did, wasn't it, was an Iron Maiden video. Is that was right? it? That yeah, was thing. before he died, he starred right. in Iron Maiden's Can I Play With Madness video. Right, oh, I can remember wow. that. Yeah. When, he was, when I was in college in the 80s, he came and did like a lecture tour or whatever, and he, he appeared where I was going to school oh, at wow. Tulane University just by himself and showed some clips and answered questions from the audience. So that was a very exciting night yeah. to be there. Troubled character. His movie, yeah. Yellowbeard, was hilarious. If anybody yeah. ever sees that, which nobody seems to have, but I think it's hilarious. It's so cool how they, when they made their movies, I mean, they're true. I mean, Meaning of Life is, this is going to sound crazy. That's my favorite movie of theirs. Like I, most people like Holy Grail or, or Life of Brian, but I like Meaning of Life because it's like most like the show. Yeah. But, um, but there are, the other ones are also great. But that they they would make him like he's like the anchor of both of those movies because he's yeah. an Arthur. He plays nothing else, and and I think he only plays Brian in Life of Brian, where and no other character. So uh, mm. he's just I don't know. He was he was great. He was amazingly brilliant and uh, he such was a good actor too. In Life of Brian, he was just the person with bigger stickers, wasn't he? <laughs> Sketch. He was the one oh, dressed as right. him. Yeah, with the list. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Down the side. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And I'll also I'll put it on the video players as well. When uh, John Cleese did the uh, uh, the talking at his funeral, oh, John Cleese's speech <laughs> was is hilarious. One of the best speeches. Oh ever. my god, yeah. it's yeah. it's just amazing, absolutely. Amazing. And then the Aspen reunion where they had him in the um, <laughs> in the that's, vast. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. And he kept rattling every time he disagreed. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, go on, then, Neil. You're number four. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition. That's my uh, number two. Yeah, that's, that's on my list. I had to put it. I had to put it in. It's it's one of the most classic, probably one of the most used phrases from Monty Python. Do you think nobody expects the Spanish I, Inquisition? I say it. Yeah, I say yeah. it so many times. Yeah, I think so we all many do. times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just an obvious thing. And, you know. Cardinal Biggles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, there is only chair. Yeah, they're the repeating and comfy chair as a torture implement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the soft just cushions. genius, and just mm. the way that he keeps, you know, like our 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 main weapons are among our weapons. You know, that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Our two main back. weapons, our three <laughs> among our weapons. Yeah, I'll come back in again. I'll come back in again. And the way they call it back at the end, where they're they're rushing to get on the bus as the, as the credits. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. they get there just in time, but then it, it ends. And, it's so great yeah. that also yes. makes me feel like i was going to say this i said this in a tweet like a couple of weeks ago that to me like getting get this has been so fun to rewatch it all all again and it makes me realize again that i think that uh it's almost like who's your favorite beetle you know john paul george or ringo but mm. michael palin i think is is the essential mighty python to me he's they're all great but there's something about him that just leaps out in every single thing he's in and in this one spanish inquisition he's just so funny he just has this kind of like twinkle in his eye all yeah. the time that makes mm. all of his characters just leap off the screen. I've got a book about Monty Python that was, and it's all taken from all the interviews throughout the years from all of them. And they all say actually in that book from interviews that they always class Michael Palin as the actor of the trip. Ah, I see. You can see that though, can't you? Yeah. You can really yeah. see that he yeah. had a little bit more chops about him. Yeah. And he, uh, well, yeah. he proved that in the stuff he did, you know, with like ripping yarns and things like that. Which... Sure, and Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. yeah. And he, even the serious stuff like GBH that they he did. Do you remember that on Channel no, 4? I don't remember that, no. Uh, I think that didn't make it over guy... to the United States. Uh, 
Yeah, it's, right. it's uh, dark, but he was good. Very good, yeah. very good. Um, so here's another sort of list one, uh, but uh, it's the travel agent, the travel agent <laughs> rant with Mr. Smoke Too Much. That's my number three. That's yeah. your number three. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's this, I mean, you've got the whole thing about the fact that he's um, he can't pronounce his B's or his C's, yeah. but he can't Silly pronounce bunt. his B's. Silly, Silly bunt, bunt, which is the bit that obviously is cut in the in the yeah. TV series, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's just the long winded things that he hates about saying what in his red barrel about four times, mm-hmm. and it's just it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming yeah. I'm assuming they don't read. He's not reading it off cards. They're being they proper actors, and they're it, learning yeah, it all the I same as know. that Johan name. They had to mm-hmm. they would have learned that. So they can do it sort of yeah. very, very naturally. But I've listened, I've, I've listened and watched that over the last, well, since we've, we were going to do this so many times. And Eric Idle is just fantastic. It's no just goodness. so good. And it also neat. the fact it's just, it's every bit of what you imagine a holiday, especially like a package holiday <laughs> in, oh, yeah. in Spain. Torre, Malia. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That to me is the essence of Eric Idle, like his writing. Is that and that character the way? He, mm. oh, oh, Mr. Wilson wasn't trying. Like, like he's just so great, and then Palin is so great in that too. Just telling him to shut up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> shut up. Cut <laughs> your face. Shut up. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But oh, that, it's it's, it's, the, it's that uh, that's another thing that they I think they really do well is the whole point of the sketch is that whole list is the is the the whole tirade of yeah. this that and the other. But the start of it is a, almost like a whole sketch in itself. You know, right. oh, yeah, so mm. you, you, I can't say, can you say the letter K? Yeah, yeah, I can say yeah. the letter K. That whole thing is just perfect as a sketch in itself. That, well, right. they, yeah. The fact that it's just the... And even though you didn't realise that his name smoke too much would mean you say that you better cut down then. He's like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Smoke yeah. too much. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's never occurred to me before. <laughs> um, okay, so that was my number four. So, Mike, uh, travel right. agent sketch was your number That's three. Number three, yes. Neil, your number three was the fish slapping dance. It was. Um, now, controversially, possibly, my number three is the parrot sketch. Well, That's ah. my number two. That's your number two. Okay. Um, that's not on my list because it's so great, but it's almost like too obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Good. It's good. It's certainly their, their most classic sketch. It's kind it. of like having, going back to the beat, like having Hey Jude in your top 10 of greatest <laughs> ever. It's like everybody knows it. But yeah. I listened to it's it. so good. I listened to it from the series one today and I sort of listened, tried to listen to it through what the people there that day would have um, imagined it for the very, very first time. And it's just a, a clever, again, it's a list. It's a list mm. sketch, isn't it? It's just a ways yeah. of saying a it dead is. parrot. Right. Um, but again, it just seems to be played a lot more understated than it did. Well, it was. It was before Cleese started to go over the top. I mean, that probably stemmed. I think he did it first in that the, the movie and now for something completely different. But when he did it live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he fucking I, sniffed it. And that's where he really. And went that got the bit. That got the, the big choir, cry. The choir invisible. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Pining yeah. for the field. <laughs> but um, you see that that why I put it so high, even though it's like everybody no, knows it. Definitely it, deserves to be that high. It does. Everybody knows it. It's because that was my introduction. That and something else was my introduction to Monty Python. So I had same. a comedy tape um listening on cassette tape 
I must have been before I was 10. And I fell in love with that. There was a couple of things. There was the goons I fell in love with. A couple of their was sketches. Was that We Are Most Amused? Yeah. Yes, Did you I, have had that? That. I had that as well. I had Not the Nine O'clock News, on, news it. on it. Peter Ustinoff for some reason. Yeah, well, he was doing his um, soliloquy, his funny the soliloquies goons, that he yeah. did. And yeah, the Goons, I, the Ying Tong song. The Ying Tong that's song, where, yeah. That's where I got all introduced to Monty Python, and that's where it all led. And the parrot sketch on that was hilarious. And, it, you know, just the ending. Got a slug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bling. <laughs> does it does it talk <laughs> but then on yeah. the show and on the show it, it it extends because he says he goes go to my brother's place in in bolton that's and then he right goes all the way there and it's michael palin again like with a different kind of mustache or something <laughs> yeah and that's, that's right and then he goes yeah. bolton no it's not lob he's like that was a it's a pun <laughs> no <Not Lob>, that's <laughs> right yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, was it that thing where it sounds like a palindrome a palindrome yeah yeah a palindrome uh, of would be not lob <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh, oh god so okay um so mike we need your number two then Day please two. This is maybe the one that I seem to remember seeing almost first. It, it, according to my research, it's in the very first episode. Uh, and it's the world's funniest joke, the, the funniest joke in the world that will that kills its writer yeah. and, then is, and then is used by the army to kill Germans. In yeah. the war. <laughs> it's just so funny. It, and and the, the version on the show is better than the version in the later in the movie because it, it goes is, on yeah. further on the show. But like, it's just so crazy and silly and ridiculous and, and the way they keep building it and building it. And now where the Germans are trying to develop their own and, and, and it has that weird, that weird, I mean, it's, it's absurd to begin with, but then it's so absurd because then there'll be like, I think in the scene with the Gestapo, like the Gestapo guy has a sign around his neck saying Gestapo officer. And it's already, <laughs> right. like they're already fully formed with their insanity <laughs> right away. And then there's yeah. a great, great use of stock footage of like Hitler trying to tell the dirty, the, the dumb yeah. joke and, and how the guys are falling out of trees. And it's just, I don't know. I just, that one, I remember, remember I have a vivid memory of watching that one up in like that bedroom. I mentioned my parents' bedroom and literally like just falling off, falling yeah. off the bed. Yeah, it's so fancy. Just the man in his little room to begin with, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, it's the growth of the joke on that. It starts so small. And just goes so massive. Yeah, oh, it's hilarious. It's when they I show it to know. Terry Jones and he's like an infantry man and he just looks at it and just goes, like that, and it just goes, <laughs> and it just drops down dead. <laughs> right. And they have the thing where they have they have it on a big board and it's covered and they have to like turn it over and like hide. hide, them, hide <laughs> yeah. Or they give one word to each of the translators so right. they don't know what it is yeah. and then they're all yeah. shouting it out to the German infantry and you can hear them all. Yeah, they say one man saw three words and was in the hospital that's for several months. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's so great. Oh, so good. Okay, Neil, your number two was Parrot Sketch. It was. And my number two was the Spanish Inquisition. So before we give our number ones, um, Mike, do you want to just give us a quick rundown of your 10 to 2? Neil sure. will do the same, and then I'll do the same, and then we'll reveal our number one choices. Number 10, the most awful family in Britain award. Number nine, Albatross. Number three, <laughs> Johann Gobbleputty, and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> I want Number... you to say it, Mike. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, uh, World War One sketch going into the hospital for overacting. Uh, number six, Mr. Hilter. <laughs> Number five, Upper Class Twitter of the Year Award competition. Number four, Mrs. Premise and Mrs. Conclusion visit John Paul Sartre. 
Number three, the travel agency with Watney's Red Barrel. <laughs> and number two, the world's funniest joke. Excellent. Neil, you want to tend to two? Uh, so at number 10, I have The Undertaker with a nice bit of broccoli. Number nine, spam. <laughs> number eight, The Argument Clinic. Number seven, The Fish License, including Eric the Harper B. Number six, Nudge Nudge, Wink Wink. Uh, number five, The Ministry of Silly Walks. Number four, The Spanish Inquisition. Number three, The Fish Slapping Dance. And number two, The Parrot Sketch. Lovely. And mine is number 10, Nudge Nudge, Wink Wink, Say No More. Nine, The Architect Sketch. Eight, The Fish Slapping Dance. Seven, The Argument Clinic. Six, Ministry of Silly Walks. Five, The Cheese Shop. Four, The Travel Agent Rant with Watney's Red Barrel. Three, Parrot Sketch. And two, The Spanish Inquisition. So, Mike, what is your number one Monty Python sketch? My number one Monty Python sketch of all time is the Spanish Inquisition. Yay. That is my absolute favorite. Well, I wasn't expecting the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> 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 if only I'd caught that, that noise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's even 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 Terry Gilliam is good at that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, that is a funny. It's He's Cardinal funny. Fang, is he? I Cardinal think. I think it was Fang, Cardinal right. Fang, yeah. Cardinal Biggles, Cardinal Fang. Oh, it's the way yeah. he says Fang, though. Isn't it? Yeah. Fang, Cardinal <laughs> Fang. <laughs> so, so why, just... why would that? Why was that your? Why did that become I your think, favorite? I think um, I remember the most quoting it the most back then, like when I first started seeing mm. it, and it just made me laugh so hard. Um, the ridiculousness of it, the. The costuming, Michael Palin, Terry Jones is so funny. Uh, uh, when they when they have the the thing we didn't mention before is like the rack is like the dish the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It doesn't work, and he goes, "Just turn it anyway," and they kind of just yeah. turn it. And then Michael Palin has this really just hilarious look on his face of like just embarrassment, you know, yeah. how stupid it is. And <laughs> I don't know, and I and I think the fact that they call, that they call oh plus there's this whole other thing before that where. Um, before the ending, the end sketch is this, this dumb sketch where they go, there's a, it's not the dead bishop on the landing, but it's one of those ones where it's like a like a scene from a play and it turns into, we didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition and then they hop on that bus and the way they get there and the, and the credits <laughs> yeah. are rolling. And it's just so great. I, I can't ex- I can't even explain it. All, yeah. everyone's, all the ones that you said are, are could easily be, any one of these on all of our lists could easily be number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll probably Absolutely. change next week as well. I Just, completely yeah, agree. Yeah, easily, easily. And I think I think Spanish Inquisition is the one that's on all of our top tens. It's it is. got one point yeah. in, in yeah. all of them. So mm. that just shows it. Uh, go on then, Neil. What's your number one? So it is the Lumberjack song. This oh, is right. primarily of because of my introduction. Now, with the film and with the, um, the, the um, sketch that I had on cassette, it followed the parrot sketch anyway. It literally That's did, right. but it's just unique. It's just brilliant. I believe. Did you watch the live show they did their their reunion live back in 2015? Did you watch the no, web, I didn't. Uh, O2? Again, it changes from other things. They would put it in after another sketch, so whether it be the cheese shop or whatever the sketch they did, it wouldn't just be there and it fit beautifully. But it's the pure masculinity of the Canadian Mounties singing this song about being a lumberjack. To basically pressing wildflowers and long he- <laughs> high heels and a dress. And Tom was, Hanks was one of the mounties in one of the um, live shows, wasn't he? He was, yeah, oh, he they, did. They, yeah. they dressed him up, and he was one of the guys singing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. yeah, I just love it, and and it's it's nostalgic for me as well because it's the one that 
you know, when, even when I see my dad today, it reminds me of being a kid because if he starts singing it, he sang it when I was a child, you know, a, a, a very young child. And Has yeah, he got something to tell you, Neil? It's about dressing up and hanging out in women's bars. And either that or he wants to be a Mountie. Isn't, <laughs> yeah, that, just, oh, right. isn't that just standard Mountie? Maybe he was yeah. just trying to tell you something, Neil, yeah. you know? <laughs> Wear high heels, suspenders well, and a bra, you know? Suspe- I wish I'd been a girl, he just like my just like my... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he was trying to tell you something all those years back, I'm Neil. proud of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, all right, my number one um, is probably not a completely well-known one, but it's the Dirty Hungarian handbook. Oh, yeah. So, John John Cleese goes into a uh, cigarette shop uh, with a handbook, with a uh, translating book that all of the translations in it are wrong. And uh, it's Terry Jones, I think, is behind the. It is, yeah, yeah, he's the guy yeah. behind the counter. So he comes out with some. Um, if if I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? Yeah. No, it wasn't otters. Was it? My hovercraft eels. is full eels. of eels. eels. Full eels. of eels. And then oh, Graham Chapman. I want. Can... <laughs> I want. <laughs> yeah. Do you want Bumbly to come back bum. to my place, bouncy, bouncy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Please Graham Chapman is the policeman that hears right. there's a ruckus going on. So it, that right. thing of like something that goes on for a little bit too long i think there's like three clips right. of him running down the street yeah. and then as he hauls um john cleese away john cleese comes up with a line that i still use to this day all my nipples explode with delight he says it's <laughs> <laughs> just such a great way for the for the scene to end um, there's, a, there's a perfect twist in it too where where terry jones then realizes like oh i get it this is wrong and he takes the book and he says something in, in Hungarian and the police punches him. Yeah. 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 Ah, so good. So good. We've that got a few a um one. we've got a few uh honorable mentions here. So Brandon Watson says, Oh my gosh, this category is amazing. When I was a wee lad, we would watch Flying Circus with my dad. For some reason the Ministry of Silly Walks always did it for me. Uh Anna Sanders said Worst Family in Britain, nineteen seventy four, and Icelandic honey. I don't know what that one is. That's, uh, Kim, that's the same one. It, it turns oh, into it. Ah, right. oh, okay. okay. Kim Thomas Simons says dead parrot or not dead yet. Just cracking up thinking about them. Jen Berg says pining for the fjords. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to have an argument, please. Uh, Kirsten Prince says spam, but I don't like spam. Mary Jane Sims, funniest joke in the world. Could watch it over and over again. Such a dry sketch. Laura Foster Frank says the parrot. She says all the killer rabbit, but that's in a movie, not a sketch. Well done, Laura. Uh, Phil James, Eric the Half a Bee, summarised Proust. Nudge, nudge. Oh, Sam, yeah. Sam Peckinpah's Salad Days. There we go, Salad oh, Days. Uh, Carol Barwick said, I love the job interview. Rings bell. Good night. Ding, ding, ding. What's that one? Say that again, sorry, pal. I love the job interview. Rings bell. Good night. Ding, ding, ding. I'm going to have to do some research on that one. Yeah. Paul Osgood said, well, I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, (laughs) At Scott Fenwick underscore NY was Penguin on the telly. A friend. Uh, Lovely. Dinsdale. Scott Fenwick. Yeah. Yeah. Dinsdale. uh, Which uh, that's the. The Piranha Brothers. That's it. Absolutely. Dinsdale the Hedgehog, wasn't it? Wasn't it Hedgehog? Well, yeah, it was Doug and Dimsdale Piranha, and they were they were they were like based Spiny on the craze. Norman. Spiny right, they were Norman. based on the craze, I think. That's right, right yes. Later. But that Dimsdale was afraid of a, a giant hedgehog named Spiny Norman. Spiny Norman. That's right. <laughs> so then, occasionally after that, like in other sketches throughout the series, this this 
Harry Gilliam animation of a giant hedgehog would stick its head out from behind a building. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Scott Fenwick also says Crunchy Frog, of course. Yeah, yeah. The parrot the sketch, the Spanish Inquisition, the joke that won the war, Harold the Intelligent Sheep, Defend Yourself versus Attacker with Fruits, Silly Walks, <laughs> an argument, and also another honorable mention, any battle reenactment by the Ladies Club. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Thank you very much, Scott. That's it. We're done. We've done it. We've done it. I do feel that we could come back in two weeks' time and be completely different top tens. Oh, for sure. Without a shadow of a doubt. So um so Mike, what have you obviously you're in the middle of a, a strike at the moment. Um yes. so I was gonna say what you're doing work wise at the moment, probably not much, I wouldn't think. Nothing. I was just picketing uh this, this earlier today. So Where are you? we go uh, out, can... we carry our sign and uh, we hope for the producers to come to their senses and make mm. a deal with us. Are you able to let us know sort of what the what the whole strike is all about and, and why sure. you're on strike? Well, um in a word, uh the, the the landscape has changed the way that shows are produced uh, and that for the most part, um, the the produce, the TV channels are streaming these streamers like Netflix, uh, Amazon and Apple who uh, are trying to basically they always do this, but they're trying to squeeze every last penny they can out mm-hmm. of it, which means they are kind of disassembling the way that shows have been traditionally made with a, with a, a writing staff. Like on the Simpsons, we have a, fairly robust writing staff of about 13 or 14 writers that work all the time on the show, make the show as good as it is um, and work throughout the season. But uh, with these streaming shows, what they're doing more and more is that they're called, it's putting together what's called a mini room where they'll hire like say four writers and have them write 10 episodes over the course of two months or something like that. And then, then decide if they want to make it or not. And if they make it, then all those writers are let go and maybe one or two are kept on to be there during the production. It makes it much harder to, it's just undervaluing the work mm. basically the writers. Um, on, additionally, uh, so many of these streaming companies now are all over the world. Like Netflix says viewers worldwide. Yet yeah. for the most part, what we're paid and we get paid in residuals, meaning that when our shows are rerun, we get a little bit of extra payment mm. is based on performance in the United States. So they're trying to get better residual model for for international. And th- third, but not least of all, is trying to get some kind of handle on um, AI, the use of AI, which mm. uh, we're we're con- increasingly concerned that, yeah. and again, in their in their desire to make as much money without spending money that they will, if if we don't stop them or find some way to rein this in, they will find some way to just use AI to start writing the basic scripts and then hire one person to punch it up or something like that. So um, that's, that's pretty much what we're up against right now. So I, I heard that on a, I actually read it on a, a movie website and I thought that that's gotta be people just making stuff up for clickbait. That cannot be true. That they're going to get AI to write a script and then get people just to punch it up. That's, that's uh, crazy. I, 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 I think it wouldn't be super easy to do now, but I mean, a year from now, who knows, you know, like yeah. they're already in, that's part what may happen as well is that the, the writers, the screen actors guild, are currently on the brink of possibly joining us on strike. And they have a very similar issue with AI, which is that actors are, are being brought in and, well, you know, the, 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 the ability to create acting performances digitally is, is gone leaps and bounds. I mean, you just, if you just saw Indiana Jones, yeah, they did an amazing job, you know, digitally de-aging Harrison Ford, but now they're able to 
create, they can create a digital character, you know, so, mm-hmm. or an actor can be come in and, and they'll scan them. And then now we'll use you, we'll pay you once, but then use you 12 different times this way, you know, use your digital AI replacement. So um, it's, it all comes down to, I think, uh, a degree of respect for what we do. And, and uh, it's harder and harder for, for, I mean, I'm very lucky, incredibly fortunate and lucky to be on a show like the Simpsons that is on a network and we make 22 episodes a year. So we basically w- work the full year. Yeah. But the, more and more what the experience for is like for r- working writers is that you work for two months and then maybe you're off for eight months or, you know, and, and these residuals often would be the way to sort of help maintain your, just to, to live, you know, mm-hmm. so it's devaluing the work that we all do. And, and mm-hmm. we're just trying to fight for, to be able to make, make writing a career that can still be, that you can still have and live a, live a modest or at least a middle-class lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were saying a few weeks ago when we did our top 10 Simpsons episodes, we were saying about how the fact that it's, is it 35, 36 seasons it's been going for now? Yeah. And we were saying that the, the writers now must've been people that probably weren't even born when the Simpsons started so they're obviously massive fans of the simpsons yes. what what do they do how, how do you do about get, keeping it fresh and keeping it so that it's i mean i'm assuming having new writers every so often as well must be a help for that yes i mean in the last few years we've we've added on several younger uh, newer younger writers quite a few are younger than the show you know are, are in their late 20s or, or at least early 30s um to go along with the old guys like me, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, that helps. That certainly helps. I mean, to have a fresh perspective and we've, there's been a more a diversity in our writer's room in terms of, uh, you know, uh, ethnic or racial makeup and also, you know, more women writers we have now, which is, which is a great thing. Um, and so we've had some great shows that reflect that. We had an excellent show that uh, one of our, well, I call her new, but she's now been on the show for like five years. But Christine Nangle wrote an episode, excellent episode that was all about Duffman and his daughter, his estranged daughter. But it was about the, you know, that kind of thing, like a father of a daughter and that kind of thing. And yeah. that's, a, that's a great episode that, you know, came from a great writer with a great perspective from that, you know. So that helps. And, and the other thing that helps is that we're we're out there actively Still trying to engage with the culture, what's going on in the world, and and specifically the United States in terms of finding episodes that deal with things that are going on and find finding new. The, the world keeps changing, and so we keep finding new ways to to put a Simpsons lens on the craziness of the world. And you're still predicting the future, obviously. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> still do. Yeah. A couple more questions before we let you go. Sure, um, of course. Um, question number one: Simpsons movie two. I mean, come on when when it's not up to me it's not up to me i don't know i don't know honestly i don't know i mean i'd say over the years i know it's been well it's now been 16 years since the the movie came out right that came out in 2007 that's that's crazy um but it took several years to put that together it took almost four or five years to make that um over the years there have been various gone back and forth and uh there was an episode that i wrote that was that came out about six or seven years ago that um it was about homer i don't know if you if you saw it but it was about homer rediscovering this old hot dog stand that he remembered from a kid that was sort of in a a converted railroad caboose 
And he ended up when the, the, the hot dog stand was sold by someone else or to Krusty, I think he ended up kidnapping it and taking it with him because he didn't want to let it go. <laughs> and for a brief moment in time, that was going to be the plot of the next movie. Oh, right. <laughs> we read the script and one of our, our bigger, one of our bigger bosses uh, said that should be the next movie, you know? So then uh, I got very excited and then, then eventually they were like, well, maybe not, maybe not. We'll think of something else. So I think it's, I think it's really kind of waiting a little bit to find what, what's the best great idea to make a second movie. Uh, and just timing things of making the show and, you know, dealing with the actors and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll come. I imagine it'll come someday, but there's no, yeah. that's certainly not in the offering right now. Right. And you, and you said you, you've wrote episodes of the Simpsons. What's the process for when you write an episode, because you're not you, you do you write sort of like the the bare bones of it, and then it goes to the writers' room, or is it just like a collaborative effort with everybody, you know, stars as well? It's it's collaborative mixed with single with solo effort. So it may start on as a solo effort of maybe coming up with uh, the the germ of the idea on your own, uh, but then when that gets presented to the to the to the room and the showrunner. Uh, then we spent some time sort of developing it together, like as a group, sort of picking it apart and finding is is this is this a good episode idea or not? And if it isn't, if it is, like spending a good week maybe sort of plotting it out and figuring it out. Then then if it's me, I go off and then write first an outline, which then gets brought back into the room and we all talk about that and work it out, and then go off and write uh, a first draft of the script. So it's a full draft of the script. But that's still then used as, like you said, kind of like the building blocks, the the blueprint, whatever. It's it's the it's the clay from which the show is then built, and then then it goes through the the rewrite process, which involves you know just about everyone, yeah, uh, working on it, pitching it, making jokes better, changing the story, and and like that. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic, and also I want to say fantastic for F is for family. I really, oh, yes. I, I it's it should have been more series it just should have been more series but it was kind of great that it it finished but um as in you know the story sort of right, right. Finished, well i was but... very grateful that that they you know they told us after the fourth season that the fifth one would be at our last so we netflix came to that decision and that was their decision so we had a, we had abided by it so we, we were able to write towards an ending uh we were able to plan that last season out knowing it was going to be the last. So yeah. I'm very grateful that we got to do that. And it wasn't one of those things where like, Oh, you're canceled. That's, that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice. But that is that. a great, great, great show. Yeah. Great. Thank show. you. So Thank you so I much. love it to pieces. Though. Well, the thing was, it's, it's so refreshing to have something that is totally mm. balls out. They're not worried. You know, Literally. you weren't worried about, <laughs> like, let's not say this. Let's not say that. Let's not show this. Some of the sound, like the sound production in that is fantastic. You know, it's just, such yeah. a good show yeah it's such show. a joy it was such a pleasure and a joy to work with him uh, i adore bill burr he's so great and so wonderful and uh to have a chance to work so closely with him and and, and to know him well it's just just so i'm I'm so happy that we, i got to do that and so grateful that we got to make that show together and with yes. everyone else that worked on it in the cast it was just a dream come true yeah 
Uh, fantastic. Brilliant. Before we say our goodbyes, Neil, do you want to tell everybody how they can get in touch with us? We Absolutely. Like so you can find us on all the social medias. Do please give us a click, give us a follow, give us a like, whatever it is you do at Top 10 Pods. Email us at top10pods at hotmail.com with any questions you may have or any ideas for a top 10. Come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top 10 pods. All sorts of rewards you can get, like even being a guest yourself. Check out all of our links via the link tree and find the link in the show notes. And do please come subscribe leave a rating review and whatever else is you do wherever you get your podcast from perfectly done neil mike thank you so much for spending time with us. honestly it's an honor it i is can't believe honor. that i've chatted to you more than once now so <laughs> honestly when we do monty python movie moments you've got to come back and join us i will absolutely come back yeah i will absolutely come back you are absolutely. now our monty python so correspondent yeah okay? <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> we're gonna have to give you a thank name you. like arthur two sheds jackson or something aren't we? we're, gonna to, <laughs> we're gonna have to think of some kind of name for you that's right <laughs> that's right but um so neil thank you very much thank you very much Pab. thank you very much mike been an honor to see you again great fun Thank and you. Thank, yes, thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, everybody watching. And oh, my nipples explode with delight. <laughs> Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.